Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you here again and listening to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. Um, I'm Nelia Hutt. And today, um, I'm just having the best conversation with Karen Del Maestro. I'd like to welcome Karen to the show. How are you, Karen? I'm doing great, Nelia. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm smiling too, I'm smiling too because we've, we've had a great conversation up until now. So I can't wait to, sh- wait to share with everybody else. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. I'm so glad to have, you know, met you face to face virtually. So this is awesome. So Karen, Karen is a breast cancer survivor. She's a warrior. She is a health and wellness coach, and she is a bounce back expert. And I am so excited to have her here. I love when people come on here and they share their story um, because I know that somebody out there needs to hear the message today. So that's why we're doing this. That's why I started the show. That's why I've got Karen on here. So yeah, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm so grateful for what you're doing with this podcast. And, um, you know, I, I truly do believe that each of our stories, um, as we share them, can have an impact on somebody. And, um, you know, I kind of live, live with that same mantra and feeling. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Um, so a little bit about myself. Yes. Where do I start? Okay, well, with a funny accent because everybody's going to be saying where does she come from um I was born in the UK and actually moved to the US in uh when I was 22 years old and uh lived in New Jersey for quite some time um moved to the Caribbean for a couple of years and you can find me in Seattle Washington today so um that's that's the accent, kind of confusing you know, between English and American. And um, American people say I sound English, and English people say I sound American. So I just I don't know anymore. <laughs> you still sound English, I think. <laughs> that's the consensus over here for sure. <laughs> so yeah, Karen, we were talking about um, boundaries, and we were talking about you know, how one person's trauma is so different than somebody else. And, and, you know, people go through things in in such a different way. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you and, and, you know, just your journey? I have learned to be very open because, and there's very little that I won't talk about now. um, Because what I have learned is the more vulnerable I become in what I share, 
the more value people get from it and the more they reach out to me and the more they connect. And so even though, um, and it's so interesting because me two years ago would have been extremely nervous to just do this and to be like, ah, there's no script, there's no this, there's the, the me today, nothing. Let me tell you, I'm excited. Well, because I've listened to a couple of podcasts, but also just connecting on this level, caring about others, talking about serving, talking about self-care, talking about journey. None of that in there scares me at all. Like this is what I do all day, every day. In the past seven years of my life, so pretty recent, um, I have been through a major car accident. I was a personal trainer at that time. And um, I was in this big car accident on the way to work one morning that left me with five herniated discs and major pain. And um, I always say that that was one of the worst and best things that I ever went through. Um, the worst at the time for sure because of all the pain and I also was not able to perform my job as a personal trainer, um, lost my house, had to move, like everything in my life changed in that one moment, in that car accident. But what that allowed me to do, that allowed a lot of space for something different and new to come in. And that didn't just happen. I worked to find it. I was working with a life coach at the time, as well as a um, therapist from my PTSD, from my car accident, um, and the daily pain that I was living in. I don't want to minimize that for anybody that's going through daily pain. It's hard. It's really hard. And I think it's very easy for that to bring us under and make us feel blue and depressed and um, and angry. Can make it harder. And, and angry. Yeah, exactly. It can have so many implications. So I never want to minimize that. But I think that what allowed me to help myself get through it was practicing like really super easy self-care things, making sure I was hydrated, like super, super, super easy, yet the body's going to be in less pain. There's going to be less aches and pains if, you've, if you're hydrated enough. So just that one simple tip alone, if you can focus on one thing, that's what you focus on. Love it. So, yeah. So it, it doesn't, you know, my whole philosophy with self-care and taking care of ourselves, it does not have to be difficult. It just doesn't. In fact, I think the simpler, the better, because I know that, especially as we're going through trauma, like at that time, could I have handled anything more than care and focus on drinking your water? No, there was too much going on. So just focus, uh, you know, giving myself permission to just focus on that one thing was huge. And baby steps is still moving. So, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what it's about now is just moving forward. And that is actually the name mm. of my membership Love it. is moving forward because that's exactly what life is about. The pace is irrelevant. It's forward motion and just making sure that you are continuing to take that step. So, um, so from there, let me think, okay, so the car accident and that was followed then by um, eventually moving house down to the Caribbean. Just before that happened, I lost my dad. 
um, we moved into the Caribbean. I got married down there. I ended up getting oh, no. Zika virus a week after my wedding, um, followed by shingles. Um, because your immune system is compromised with um, Zika virus. And then um, it was actually in June 2017, 2018, yeah, 2017, I guess. Um, within one month, I lost my mom. Um, my mom was actually diagnosed one week before she passed away. She had Alzheimer's and dementia, which we knew. But one week before she passed away, she was diagnosed with liver, lung, stomach, and skull cancer. Um, thankfully, I was able to get to her from the Caribbean back to the UK where all of my family was and I was with her as she passed away. Um, while I was there, um, and I was there for some time, the process in the UK takes, seems to take much longer than it does in the US. And um, the day after my mom's funeral, um, my brother was taken in for an emergency surgery and they did not think that he was going to make it. So he was in the hospital for two weeks. And uh, during that time, I was with his daughter who had already lost her mom to breast cancer. At that point, that was seven years prior. Um, and then two days after my brother came out of the hospital, my husband was in a motorcycle accident. Now he was in, and I know this is so hard to like, it's hard for me to keep track of. So I hope that it, the timeline is making sense for you guys. The nuts and bolts of this is that it was a month of one major trauma after another major trauma after another major trauma. You have no time to deal and with anything. No time to breathe. No, no time. time. How do you even begin to heal from so many things hitting you at once? I can't imagine. <laughs> yes, you are definitely um, uh, qualified to be a uh, bounce back expert. And I'm not done yet. There's more. There's more. And these are the cliff notes. Like I said, this is not even going into detail. Um, so my husband was in Orlando. We actually didn't know for... Um, seven weeks if he was going to be able to keep his right arm or not and he is a general contractor so his arm is his livelihood um so there, there was a lot wrapped up into that packing up the house on in uh, the caribbean on saint croix getting our dog up here like you can imagine all the minutiae behind this crisis and then we came up to seattle where my husband has family and they were incredibly supportive and have helped us massively. A year after we were here was when I started to not feel like myself. And I don't know if you or any of your listeners have ever had that feeling when you're just like, you know, I just I don't feel right. Something's off. Something's not. It's your instinct, like, just, like you're just your gut feeling. Like gut feeling, exactly. And this is what I encourage people to listen to all the time because our gut never steers us wrong. And it took a long time in my life for me to actually realize that and trust it. Boy, do I trust it now. Because it was that gut feeling that led me to um, 
rheumatologists looking for autoimmune, looking for complications from the Zika virus, looking for are there infectious disease things going on. I was seeing all of these different specialists. And then ultimately I came to take my annual mammogram and that was when my breast cancer was discovered. Not only was I diagnosed with breast cancer, I also found out at that time that I carry the BRCA2 gene. That's the gene that makes you um, much more likely to get breast cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, melanoma, and eye cancer, which a lot of people don't realize breast cancer is the biggest risk, but it's not just breast cancer. So um, that was all... As, as you can imagine, a massive, massive, massive whammy. And you brought up before, when do you have time to grieve? When do you have time to heal? And this is something super important that I want to share. Um, and that is, and I've, I've delved into this quite a lot and I'm continuing to do so because I think it's so important. When we look at our bodies, the organs that lay underneath our breasts are our heart and our lungs. In Chinese medicine, our lungs are the organ that hold on to grief. Our heart is the organ that nurtures, right? Or receives and gives love. And often, um, when we are overgivers, when we are people pleasers, when we are, um, have had complicated issues with parents even, it, all of this affects our heart. So there have been multiple studies done uh, for many, many, many years that links all of these things really? to breast cancer. Really? Wow. So, I know, yes. it's mind-blowing we don't even think about that. Um, but just, just for you to know, um, breast cancer diagnosis, only 15% of them are due to genetics. That's it. I thought the number was, yeah, I thought the number was much higher. No, so 85% are due to what we call environmental factors. So how we are holding on to emotions in our body being one of those factors, right? What we eat, how we manage our stress. Stress is a toxin to our body and it causes our stress hormone to go all over the place. So, um, and I won't go into all the hormone stuff, but there's a lot of hormone stuff that is linked to breast cancer. So when we're talking about stress and everybody's heard, I think of the stress hormone mm. cortisol, um, the one that makes us hold on to weight, especially after um, menopause and things like that. Um, but this is why managing our stress is super important as uh, for anybody, but especially if you're a breast cancer survivor looking to reduce your risk of, of recurrence, um, this is something that we need to look at. As well as, like I said, what you eat, um, how you take care of yourself. And I think one of the hardest things is um, coming back from breast cancer and feeling like you have to just jump back into your pre-cancer. You're not the same person. 
you're not the same person, but that's yes. the expectation sometimes that we put on ourselves, but also from others. Oh, you're done with treatment. Okay. Back to life. Um, but one of the major things is, you know, speaking about that heart and the grief and all of those organs under our breasts, it plays into why it's so important that we take care of ourselves first. And that also helps us because we don't want to be a burden to anybody else, right? We, I often, so many people, as we're going through treatment, we feel like we're just being a burden. It's hard. We don't have energy. We don't have strength we're physically and then the emotional stuff on top of it. So it's super important afterwards that we prioritize taking care of ourselves first so that we can then take care of everybody else in our lives. So the way that I like to think of that and that this is the Brit in me coming out um, because I love my cup of tea. So if you think of yourself as a teapot and everybody that you take care of and you do for and you serve, they're all your teacups. And so if you think of yourself pouring your tea into everybody else's teacup as you're taking care of them and you're doing for them and you're happily helping them. And then I know, and then there's no dry. tea left. <laughs> there's no tea left. So what happens to us when there's no tea left is we actually end up getting bitter and angry and resentful. Like, who, who wants a piece of me? Who wants more? I don't have any more to give. How can I give more? I don't have more. So that's how we get to feel. So it makes sense that we need to fill up our teapot. Absolutely. I love that. I love that food. analogy. And then I was thinking, though, if I turned around and I made another cup of tea for myself, I would turn around and everybody would be finished and gone and moved on to something else. And I'd be standing there enjoying my cup of tea all by myself. You know? Yeah. And how would it make you feel? Because I love my cup of tea on my own. But it would also yes. make me happy. Yes, yes, because it wasn't reciprocated. You know, you want people to stick around and no. not just because you're giving them something, right? You want them to, yeah, this is amazing because you've been through so many things and I love that you've altered the message from, you were a personal coach before, right? Like a fitness, was it a fitness coach? Yeah. Yeah. Personal trainer, personal yes. Trainer and and now coach. you've altered it a little bit to deal with more of, um, you know, with what you've gone through. And I love that because, you know, truly like you're a warrior, you've like come out and like I can just imagine all the impact that you're making and you know so sometimes on this show we ask you know the hard questions right because people don't that's what it's for right I'm just curious and I need to ask this question because I don't think in everyday life we feel okay asking these questions right so as a breast cancer yeah. you know survivor or when you were in the middle of all your treatment and everything for somebody who has a friend who, who approaches them and says, you know, I have been diagnosed with this and it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be any, any chronic illness, like you were saying, even chronic pain. What is something that we can do as people in your outer circle that can help you? Because mm -hmm. I find that when people don't know what to say, they say nothing and they leave mm -hmm. and life is hard enough 
going through all that stuff by yourself, but like going through traumas and going through, but going through it alone, it's, it's unbearable. And you may not want all these people around in your house. It's like, give me some space, you know, but at the same time, it's like, where is everybody? Why does nobody care about me? Like, did you feel that way? Um, yes and no, to be honest. And, and it's a really great, great question. And it's one that I have asked, um, my, my breast cancer survivors that I work with, um, because I think that is important that, you know, as people that have been through it, we can share our experience and our viewpoint, which there's no, I, I want you to know there's, there's like no right or wrong. Okay. Um, and nobody's grading you, but in my own experience, and that's what I can really speak to. Um, I think number one is please don't tell somebody that you're going to be there for them and not be there for them. Um, that is actually heartbreaking. And I, I experienced that. It's like another loss um, at the wrong time. It, it's another loss. It's another loss. And, and it's at a time when you really, you do need support. There's no two ways about it. You need support. Um, and I think that's hard for people when they've normally been on the receiving end of the support that you give to them. And so they sometimes don't know how to reciprocate that. Just like you were saying about the, the cup of tea now being empty and everybody's, everybody's gone. Um, so I think that, first of all, it's really hard to tell people that you have cancer. That's a hard conversation to have. So know that it's difficult for us to even say those words. There, there's a, there's all kinds of emotions that are behind it, including that, oh my gosh, am I going to survive? Even though logically you might know that you've caught this early, it's still cancer, you know, or any other major trauma that somebody's going through. You know, like there are, there are so many emotional things behind the scenes that most people are not aware of unless they've gone through that situation. And that's not their fault. It just is what it is. That's the circumstance. So what can, what can somebody say? I think that um, unless you've been through it, I wouldn't recommend saying, I know what you're going through because you don't. Um, I think that, and, and I can give some examples of that. Some of the things not to say, first of all, like, um, well, they're in, boob they're in boobs. Oh, you'll get an upgrade. Oh, you'll no. get bigger boobs. Well, you don't need them anyway. Um, like, these are things that I would not recommend saying. It's so touchy. Even though you may think that that's okay. You can think what you want to think. Um, I would recommend saying something like, and I, the big thing is being authentic. Don't say something unless it's your truth and what you mean. Um, so that may mean that you take a step back and you think about what you actually want to say, right? Because sometimes it doesn't come right away, but something even, um, I can't imagine what you're going through. That like has to, validate to be really the other person, right? The other person. And the other is person. it okay exactly. if somebody doesn't know what to say, but they still want to be there for you? How about if somebody just said, what can I do? What can I, how do you need me? You know? 
Ask the questions. Hundred percent. Even say, I don't know what to say. That's your truth. If you don't know what to say, then say that. Because guess what? We didn't know what to say when we were diagnosed and we heard those words either. So that's perfectly okay. And it's honest and it's real and it's still supportive. And I think, how can I support you? What can I do? And that question, what can I do, depends on where somebody is in their journey. Because when you receive that diagnosis, you're extremely overwhelmed. And a million things are going through um, you know, your, your mind. And sometimes you cannot think tactically at that moment. So sometimes you're better off going to a spouse or a sister or, you know, somebody that's connected with a person and saying, how can I help support you guys? Do you need meals? Do you need babysitting? Do you need rides to the hospital? Do you need, what do you need? Like go into the practical stuff because we all, we all need like things, you know, think of what somebody's daily routine is and think about how can I lessen the stress mm. on this person? Yeah. Cause you might not even know what it is you need, you know, but if somebody, yeah, if somebody came, maybe, I don't know, I haven't been in your situation and I'm not going to pretend to know anything about it. Um, but even if it's like, take charge, have somebody say, okay, I'm going to take care of your, you know, somebody who's close with you. I'm going to do your billing. I'm don't worry about the girl. You just do what you need to do. I'll leave you alone or I won't. But if people ask you, then you know, without them saying more than that, that they're available. And that's, you know, that's so important, right? It is, it is. And I just want to reiterate what I said before is that please do not offer this unless you are willing and able to carry it through. Because to be let down, as you said, is another loss. And it's and it's hard if you're counting on somebody. I mean, this is yes. in life, right? This is a general, I think, rule of thumb. If I if I commit to doing something for somebody, I'm gonna do it. Um, and obviously things happen and we all know that and we're understanding of that. But um, be realistic with what your bandwidth is, with what you're able to commit. Like if, if you're saying, I'm going to cook you five meals a week on top of your, you know, already busy schedule, it's probably not realistic, but maybe one meal a week you could, or, you know, ferrying kids around or picking up medications or taking somebody to the doctor. And, um, you know, and of course, COVID adds a whole other layer to this and what you can actually do for somebody. Even if it's, um, yeah, even if it's somebody you know that can't get out of bed for three weeks because they're depressed and they're in isolation, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're faced with a life and death situation. It can just be, you know, there's so many yeah. people that are live alone yeah. and it's just awful yes. to be alone, right? So. And like I said, I was, I'm a lucky one in that my husband is extremely supportive. I mean, I hear stories constantly where husbands up and go because they cannot deal with it. And it's not my place to judge them. I just, I feel for anybody that's in that situation and I can't imagine it because I was, like I said, extremely fortunate. I just don't take it for granted because I know that that is not always the case. And, um, you know, so somebody might be going through relationship issues because of their diagnosis and may need that support even more 
and you may not know it because we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So, you know, again, it's, you know, you had mentioned asking questions. How can I support you? What do you need? Do you, do you just need a, do you need a friend to talk to? Do you need somebody to have a cup of tea with? Um, because again, depending on what the treatment is, there's definitely an isolation that goes on. And for a lot of people that, in a, and you know, we know this with COVID too, right? The isolation can deal, lead to depression and feeling down and just Which is not going to help alone. you fight this thing. No, no, not at all. And, you know, it's coming to, um, it, it is a period in our life where we do need to focus on ourselves. And this is the same, like we've said before, for anybody going through any major trauma, that is the time when we have to hone everything in and focus on ourselves and our self-care. And even though that may sound selfish, I look at self-care as self-love. And if we do not love ourselves, when we are going through the hardest of hardest things, how is anybody else going to really love us? Because we have to show people what we deserve. We have to show people what we need. We have to voice and be honest. And so even saying to somebody, you know what, I'm not up to talking today, but maybe another day. Like we've got to be honest with people about our energy, about what we need, about our journey, um, and not feel like we're failing if we're having a hard do, time. Yeah, do what we need to do, not what we, you know, think other people need from us to give ourselves some time. Yeah, that's where we were talking about. Yeah, that's where we were talking about boundaries before. And you were saying, um, yeah, you were talking about how sometimes if somebody says no to you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have this thing and people think I'm a, no, I'm a I don't. bit weird for it, but that's okay. Um, because I teach self-care, it's something I'm so passionate about because I really chew. And if you speak to any of my clients, they're going to tell you self-care is what I call the center of our being. It is our rock. When everything else is going on and going crazy, the only thing in life that we get to control is ourselves and how we take care of ourselves that really is and it can impact it. everything because if you don't if you don't love yourself you're not going to be strong enough to go through these traumas you're not going to be resilient enough to go through and bounce back one after the other like you've had a lot of things hit you mm-hmm. you know and if if you can't it, and it's not always easy like there are ways to improve your self-love and but it's so worth the time and investment in doing that because you can really, you can become healthier. Um, addictions could be prevented. So many things. Yeah, a hundred percent. It is one of, I, I think the most valuable thing that you could ever invest time and money and energy into is working on yourself and how you practice that self-love, how you get rid of, um, you know, negative voices in your head that you just play over and over and over. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough, not tall enough. All of these things that we've all experienced in our life. I mean, if you knew me as a kid, zero self-esteem, 
zero, like I was so incredibly hard on myself. I'm a recovering perfectionist, recovering people pleaser. And I say recovering because these things are practices. It's like, this is where I've put the work in and I get to practice that self-love because I now say no to things that don't work for me. So setting those boundaries. But we had spoken before about how when people say no to me, and this is what I want your listeners to remember as, you know, as somebody's going through something and maybe they were just diagnosed with breast cancer and they're saying no to something or you're saying no to something. This is your truth. This is your authenticity. So if I'm asking somebody, let's say, to do me a favor and they say, oh, Karen, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. I'm actually on the inside doing a little happy dance because they are practicing their boundaries. It's not about me. It's not personal. It's not somebody saying, Karen, I don't like you. That's somebody setting their boundaries for how much time, energy. And, and there's no false um, promises. Exactly. Exactly. So I much rather have that honest and transparent answer and celebrate that person. And trust me, I do. Like inside, it, I really do celebrate. And my clients know this because most of them, when they come to me, don't know how to Because you don't want people to feel that you don't want to be there for them. But it's not about that. Sometimes we really don't have the time. And if you say yes and you commit to something and you're letting, you know, your previous thing down and then you're letting this person down, you know, and I'm not sure if you agree or not, but... I was always taught and not for, you know, from a place of love, not from anything else, but I was always taught that thinking of yourself was selfish. That's why in my trailer, I say, thinking of yourself is not selfish. I think it's brave. And that's completely 100% how I feel. Because, you know, we're taught to love others, which is great. You know, I teach my son, you know, love other people, do for other people. But it's okay, we need to teach our children and we need to teach you know, our younger generation that you can do both. You know, you're not gonna be conceited just because you're taking care of yourself. Loving yourself is different than being on a high horse and think you're better than everybody. It's a survival tool. We all need to have that. I agree 100% and I actually loved when I listened to your trailer for the first time and I heard you say that because it is brave because um, I, I happen to be a huge fan of Brene Brown and in um, her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, um, she talks about unpacking culture. And I just did something that really stuck with me because I, I think just like you said, in culture, in society, it, it tells us that we're selfish if we're focusing on ourselves. And I prefer to look at it as it, it's not an all, I think we think it has to be all or nothing. It's black and white and it isn't. I, the way that I frame it is I'm a giver. I help others. I serve. This is my purpose. This is my mission, right? But I still practice self-care and that allows me to actually give more. Because if I do, yeah, because if you're giving to all these people and you're trying to help them through and then you don't give yourself the time to rest and the time to focus and the time, you're not going to be good to anybody. 
Right, right. And that's why after every part of my treatment, my clients will tell you, I took time off. I did not rush back. I listened to my body. I did what I needed to heal myself so that I could step up and be for them what they need. I couldn't have done that if I hadn't have taken Yeah, that you were saying earlier that the healing really starts once the medical part has has been put to rest for a little while where it's not so urgent you know that you go for chemo and that you go for all these things and and death isn't staring you in the face that's when the real struggle in a different way do you want to talk a little bit about that and so we can understand because we don't really hear that side from people you know and and people are afraid to ask what happened with me was um it was a year after my breast cancer diagnosis and I was actually sitting in my plastic surgeon's office. I had at the time opted for a breast reconstruction and I'm, it's the last appointment, the last checkup, the last part of what we call active treatment. Um, now I'm on medication, just like many other breast cancer survivors for five years. Um, but this was like at the end of um, it, up until this point, it had been doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, test, the anxiety and uh, of waiting for those results, always the worst part in between, coming up with your treatment plan and then going to treatment and doing this and doing that. And it was very much here, follow these steps. And it was that for an entire year for me. That period is different for different people. The steps are different for everybody. Everybody's journey is different. But what I have noticed amongst the breast cancer survivors that I work with is we all get to this end point where either you ring, ring the bell from chemo or here I am sitting in my um, plastic surgeon's office. And my husband is with me, he, who had been incredible incredibly supportive throughout the whole entire journey. I'm one of those lucky ones. I don't take it for granted because I've, I've heard so many stories, but I was fortunate. And suddenly out of nowhere, I am overcome by this wave of emotion, dread, feeling alone, feeling scared, wondering what the heck was next. And I was just, I'm like, what, what now? What happens now? And as I, I break down into tears and logically you've got this voice in the back of your head saying, Karen, you're supposed to be excited. You're, you're done. But that was not what I was feeling. So there's that conflict of what you think you're supposed to be feeling and what you're actually feeling. My husband's looking at me like I'm going a little bit crazy. And I say to my um, plastic surgeon, I'm like, I'm not ready to break up with you yet. Like I felt like it was a breakup and I, and I gave her the biggest hug and she and I are both in tears crying. And she's like, but I'm going to see you in three months. And, but it wasn't, it was just like, right. But it was that exhale, like, ah, and then suddenly the wave hit and it was, it took me probably two weeks of a little bit of turmoil like what on earth is next and um being the researcher that i am which is something that's just inbred into me as a health coach and 
um, you know, as I'm working with people and researching different ailments and, and everything like that, I'm researching, is this normal? <laughs> am I normal or am I like going through something unusual? And what I realized is that the next stage of recovery actually starts after treatment ends and it is not talked about. And so what I realized is that I'm uniquely um, prepared to help people through this next step due to what I, what I teach about self-care and focusing on some really easy daily habits to just help keep yourself going. What I teach about eating clean, how to manage your stress. And then also, you know, I talk a lot about toxins and environmental toxins in our home and what we use on our body and stuff like that. But the main thing is just understanding this confusion about what's what what now what's next and you know so and i think it starts to also sink in oh my gosh am i going to get this again do i have to live in this constant fear like what what can i do so that i don't get this again right that becomes like a focus and for so many people that fear can be paralyzing and can stop you really moving forward and living your life um, because you just don't know. You're it's almost like you're scared to move, scared to do anything. I mean, for me, I think one of the biggest, um, you know, because I ask people all the time, what did you learn through your cancer journey, you know? And I think for me, one of the biggest things was um, I realized that there were so many fears in my life that was stopping me from stepping into, um, I'll, I'll, I'll say my power, my purpose. Um, yeah, purpose is a better way of putting it. Um, that was stopping me from stepping into my purpose and really um, being able to show up and help people. Um, I wasn't, uh, and, and that's both personally and professionally. It, it was both. And I realized that there were a lot of old beliefs that were still with me from childhood that were telling me, Karen, you're not good enough. Um, who are you to help these others? Like all of these old things, it, it is absolutely when the true healing begins, the physical, the emotional, mental. And, you know, it's, it's so often we feel absolutely exhausted. Um, I almost liken it to, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but um, I'm a great person to have around in an emergency. I click into action, I take care of stuff, and then when that person is taken care of... <laughs> I'm shaking my head, no, I go in panic mode. <laughs> I was supposed to be the fire marshal at my work, and everybody looked at me and like, no, we'll take that job. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you, but no, I'm no, like, no, no, it's hey, it's you're being honest, and I love that. And I said, this isn't everybody, but for me, if I'm in an emergency, like I'm great. I'm on. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm taking care of the person. I'm getting them the care that they need. And then when it's all over, 
I start bawling my eyes out. It's like, it's the adrenaline kicks in to take care of all of this. And then when that adrenaline stops, then the emotions start. And I liken that so much to this breast cancer journey because it's like the adrenaline kicks in, you're dealing with the doctors, the tests, the results, the treatments. You're on this hamster wheel, just going, 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 going to the next, to the next, to the next. And then suddenly there's nothing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it feel like another loss again? Because now all these people have been taking care of you and then they're like, okay, you're done. Let's move on to the next patient. And you're kind of like, I'm still scared. Like, yeah, totally. Um, because there's this feeling of being really alone. Your, your support system, these people who have held your hand. And even though you might be having follow-up visits, it's just different. Um, but yeah, there's this hand-holding feeling that you've got as you're going through treatment and suddenly it's gone. It's not to say, are there support groups out there? Absolutely. I, I actually host one also. Is there a survivorship um, programs at certain hospitals? Yes. Um, from my experience, some of them are quite limited um, in what they offer. And that's why I, I you know, have put together this, this group. Um, because it's, it's like you're absolutely exhausted. It's suddenly the exhaustion kicks in. Suddenly all of the emotions are kicking in. Did I, did I just have breast cancer? And for me, I mean, I went through five surgeries within a year. Did I just go through all of that? <laughs> you know, it's almost like Take a deep breath. In mirror saying, was that me? It's like, wow, like you're just trying to catch your breath. And um, yeah, and it, it's, and it can feel really lonely, even though like I said, I've got an amazing supportive husband. I've got grown children who are amazing supportive, family who's supportive. There's still that feeling of being alone. And so I think for me, that's why I was craving the connection with other survivors. Because even though our journeys through cancer can be different, we're all suddenly in this spot where it's like, what, on, what hit me? Like what hit me? You're, it's like some, you were in this tornado and then now you've been dropped. This is something that happens to other people. You know, what the heck just happened? Very much so. So it's, you know, and it isn't really talked about a whole lot. It's, you know, you, you see a lot about treatment options and, um, you know, physical and mental health as you're going through it and what to eat and all of those things. And then suddenly afterwards, it's like, well, what do, what do I do with all of that now? What do I eat now? Who, you know, who am I supposed to talk to now? Like, I'm not in treatment anymore. Where does that leave me? And there's a lot of people in the same, with the same questions. That's why community, not just for this topic, but community is so important because the moment you feel that, you're not by yourself. I keep going back to this loneliness because it's something like I want to commit my life to ending loneliness for people because I think it's you can't move forward when you're by yourself. So the minute you feel that you've got one person, two people, three people, even if the journey is different, even if the goals are different, the experience is different, it doesn't matter. You can skip the small talk and you don't even have to speak to each other. You just it's like 
you know, I belonged to this anxiety group and I was terrified of showing up this CBT group. And I showed up and I was just like, oh my God, all these people are going to be just as crazy as me. And within five minutes, I was like, thank God I'm here. These are my people, you know, and I didn't have to share. I didn't have to, you know, it just felt like I was in a place where I didn't need to explain all that. Let's tell my story again. No, you know what it feels like. You're with me. You understand, you know, I know you're here for me. 100%. And I want to applaud you for, for seeking that out because so many people don't. And there are, there, there are groups out there for almost anything. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, the blue zones. Somebody mentioned that to me the other day, but I'm not familiar, actually. Okay, so within the world, there are these um, five areas that are called blue zones. And um, <laughs> interesting side note, I found out the other day why they were called blue zones. Um, I saw an interview with a guy that actually was doing this study to, to figure out the blue zones are the five places on earth where people live the longest and the healthiest. So they did researches into why, why these places, what makes them so unique. So I saw this interview with a guy that did this research and somebody asked him why blue zones? He said, well, to be honest with you, I put a, I, the, a blue marker was all I had. And that's where I put them on the map. He said they could easily have been red zones or green zones. So it was just, that's just such a funny, funny story <laughs> that will stick with me forever because it was so funny. But to speak to the blue zones, one of the things that makes these communities so amazing is that they have community. So it's also growing your own food and moving your body and um but socializing in community is a big part yeah, of that's that. why like my son's going to high school grade nine he's doing virtual but when he goes back to school i'm like you need to be a part of some kind of club like i know you're shy i know you let it be chess club or music or whatever it is find people like like-minded whether it's an you know entrepreneur group like communities you know businesses thrive and people learn so much more when when they're in in this community so i love that you've created this um can you tell us what it what it's called i know you've got the moving forward facebook page is that moving forward is my membership yeah absolutely that's actually a low-cost membership very affordable with myself and two other experts in our field but I also host a free Facebook community called Healthy Living After Breast Cancer. And anybody that's a breast cancer survivor or is currently going through treatment is welcome in there. That is where, um, and I just got goosebumps because I love this community um, and the women in it. And it's exactly what we were talking about um, now is, is just, Connecting with somebody, just like you had said about the um, CBT group, I get it. The other women in there get it. Like we understand not necessarily your journey or your story, but we understand a lot of the emotions that are connected to going through this and how hard it is. And like I said, people that have not been through it cannot get it. That's not their fault. Because just like with any major 
serious thing. Unless you've been through it, people can't understand it. I always say it's the same with divorce. And people may judge because of it, right? People judge all the time. They haven't been through it. They're not walking in your shoes. They're not feeling your feelings. They don't know what's going on. So I think it's so important to have these communities and these groups. And that's why it's free. It's just like, come in, find your tribe, find your women who are looking to remain healthy, who are looking to lower their risk of, re of reoccurrence. Um, and want that community, that connection to, you know, there's, there's um, something that I found, you know, as I was going through my own journey, there are a lot of groups on Facebook um, for people going through cancer or people who are looking to um, prevent cancer. There, is, there isn't much for this specific time and place where it's dealing with what happens I'm so glad that you started that because like you said, that was the one of the most significant parts of your journey, right? So to have that, and you know what else I think is important too, is it isn't easy for the family members either. And there are groups for that too. Like if you, if you're a daughter or if you're a husband or if you're a grandmother of someone, you know, and you're afraid for them and you don't know how to express your feelings and you don't necessarily want to freak out the person who has cancer because you've got all these questions. Like, honestly, because you don't want right. to offend people, but you want to be, it's such a tough line of knowing what it to do. Tough. And there's, there's, you know, there's caregiver groups. There's a group for everything. There is a group for everything. And I think, you know, to just speak to that for a second, it's, it's all about coming into something with an open heart and an open mind and just saying, how can I help? How can I support? Do you need somebody to just listen um, and not judge? And I think that's, that's such a big message to anybody out there is to not judge what anybody else is going through because we, we cannot know. We, we just can't. Um, so it's, I think that we, I, I feel like I'm going to get like really woo-woo here and just be like, we all need to love each other. We all need to support each other. We all need to care for each other because we all need that. And we're all here for the same time, the same reason. We want the same things. You know, what me and you want is the same as what somebody wants like down in Africa or with somebody, you know, and there are some people that might be listening and, and thinking, well, what is a group really going to do for me? And don't knock it till you try it because I thought the same way. And until somebody, it could be the first person you meet or the 25th person you meet, somebody is going to say something. And that's all you need to feel better about yourself, about, and then it'll make you in turn want to help other people. It's just like this circle, you know? Yes. And like if. Yeah. If, if the listeners could take away as well, do your mammograms <laughs> because, you know, like you were saying, Karen, you were tested for all these things. You went to see a rheumatologist, you know, and nobody thought, hey, let's check her, you know, blood work. Let's check for, for different levels of certain things. Cancer sometimes will show up in the blood work and certain levels. And, and uh, yeah, do the mammograms. Practice self-care because we need to be as strong as we can on the inside because you know what whether we like it or not things are going to come we're all going to lose people we're all going to be faced with some kind of chronic you know something 
our minds are going to play tricks on us. We're we're going to believe what people think of us instead of what who we, you know who we are. We we all change our identity because of what people say about us or you know we want to please this person or that person. And the stronger we are inside, the more resilient we're going to be able to be. 100%, 100%. And I actually saw a great quote the other day um that was are you living the life um for who you're meant to be or are you living your life to not upset other people and that used to be me mm -hmm. it used to be me too i think that's why it resonates right i mean it's so so powerful um it's your life you, you need to do the most with it like nobody else can it don't waste it people <laughs> And so often we feel helpless and we don't know how. And I think that's the hardest thing. It's like, okay, well, where I'm at really sucks, but I have to get out of it. And, you know, I think that's an area that I've always specialized in because of, I've had to build myself back up so many times and change careers and all of these things. But um, it's going back to basics and really getting in touch with who we are and that takes a little bit of some internal work and, and some discovery. And it's hard. Um, I have all of those tools, though. They're all available within my program site because I know, again, breast cancer is a trauma. So anytime we're bouncing back from anything is an opportunity to redefine how we are living our lives. And so I provide all of those tools in a very easy, simple system because I'm not a fan of complicated. And I think anytime we're coming back from trauma, we need simple. Mm, it's true. Simple, simple does not mean ineffective. Yes. Simple means simple to do without making it even more overwhelmed and exhausted and all the rest of it. So I'm a huge, huge fan of that. Huge fan of that. Um, and if I may just speak to, um, to something you said a second ago, um, you had said about mammograms. Now, I also teach a monthly breast health class that I call a breast health party because I like to make it less serious. Um, but teaching us how to actually do our breast exam because the sooner we catch anything, the less chance of any serious implications. And these are for men too out there listening. This is not just a woman problem. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of men don't realize that, but yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and many men are even carrying the BRCA gene and don't know it. Um, so um, I know I have family members. So, um, but yeah, your, your monthly self-exam, um, I teach you how to do it. I teach you the time of month to do it. And I teach you the 12 signs to look for. There are 12 signs not just finding a lump there are 12 signs of breast cancer and trust your instinct too right like you said like i said i knew something was wrong listen to your gut if you're thinking something's wrong something's not not right please advocate for yourself nobody else can do it for you you have to keep going until you figure out what it is because your body does not lie this is, I always say, our bodies communicate to us. Sometimes we feel like we speak English and they're speaking Russian. We may not always know how to interpret what it's saying, but 
it's important that we learn to get in touch with our bodies and how it communicates to us because it always does. Our bodies are amazing. Absolutely. We just have to learn to listen. Listen and love it and be grateful for it and be grateful for this vessel that takes us through this life because we only get one of them. Thank you so much. You know, most importantly, I'd like to just say that I'm so happy that your health is better today. And um, yeah, such a warrior, I tell you, like these people who, (laughs) this is amazing. And you've taken, you know, and now this is your mission. This is who you are. This is what, you know, and all the positive sides of it. It's not like, I know we've been talking so serious in this show, but all the positivity and all the love that can come through, through a trauma as well. We don't feel like it when we're in that. But yeah. you, you could have, you know, just continued on after, but you're changing lives, you're helping people, you're being there, you're teaching them what not to say, what to say, how, how to, you know, not run away, like be there for people in your life. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And I could just imagine like, you know, we say this all the time and, you know, you're helping so many, but if you can help one person, that whole family unit gets helped. So you know, and I don't know how many people you've helped, but can you imagine like all of their families and people who like, it's just beautiful. So thank you so much for talking about it. Thank you for having me. And I, by the way, I call that the ripple effect. Yes. You have one person and the ripple just goes out and, and please do that. So for anybody that's listening to this, if you know a breast cancer, somebody going through breast cancer or something else that you think would be helpful, please share this episode with them because you know that that's the power that we have right is to learn something and then share it with others that would be helpful and every single one of us i'm I'm not unique in that way you know we all have the ability to do that to take something to learn something from it and to share what we've learned with others so that their path is easier um and so i invite all of you to to do that and to think who could you share this with and uh you know and Nellie's amazing podcast that she has here in the other episodes. No, seriously, thank, thank you. you for what you do because you're spreading the love and sharing these messages and you are creating that ripple effect also. So thank you for what you thank do. Thank you. And you're so brave for coming on and talking to us. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm meeting all these fantastic <laughs> people. You know, I joke about this, but I think I need to do like a retreat and have like all my guests like in one room. This is going to be amazing because you know, they've all been such incredible givers. Like, how cool would it be? I think we would blow the roof off the place because there would be so much love in that room. Like, something to think about, you know, because, yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Or a virtual summit. Something. Or something that brings oh. all of the, the power together. I love it. We could all learn so it. much. Can't we? I love that stuff. <laughs> thank you, Karen. <laughs> Thank you so much for such a, a fun time and connecting and just getting to chat with you. Such a pleasure. <laughs> same Thank here. You. Same here. I loved it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.